Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Renee Colvert. And I'm Alexis Preston. And this is An Animal Saved My Life, a podcast about the incredible animals that change our lives forever. Now, Alexis, have you seen this new documentary on Netflix about this guy and an octopus and how they become friends? My octopus teacher? Yep, that's the one. It is so good. Octopuses are insane. They're incredible. Yes, all I want in life is to hold hands with an octopus. Same, same. Well, you're going to lose your mind when you hear this. Today, we've got one of the directors of that movie on the show. Oh, cool. Her name is Pippa Ehrlich, and I guarantee you she can hold her breath longer than you and I can. She's basically an amphibian. Oh, so I get it. This week we're doing a frog story. Pippa was a princess in a faraway land. Okay, yes. I love where you're going with this, but not not quite. Oh, sorry. There's no life-saving frogs in this one. This week's story is actually about a whole ecosystem. It's called the Great African Sea Forest. The Great African Sea Forest. It sounds like a fairy tale, and I would like to go. I'll take you there, Alexis. But first, our journey starts on a little boat in the Caribbean, in the middle of the night. Away we go. We went out at probably two o'clock in the morning and the stars were really, really bright. We went out on this little speedboat and the ocean was being churned up by the engine and there was this beautiful trail of phosphorescence leading all the way from the boat all the way back to land. And the whole boat, there were, there were only women on the boat aged between say, 18 and 25. We stopped and looked in the water and there was just this massive shadow. Um, and we went over to the line and we started pulling on it and as we got to the end of it the whole boat just started turning in a circle and we realized there was this huge female tiger shark on the end of the line and I couldn't believe these girls. Once the shark had calmed down a bit one of them reached over and grabbed the animal's fin and pulled the boat up next to it and this shark was longer than the boat. It was crazy. The women on the boat worked for a shark lab and Pippa was there to write a story about their conservation research. 
For the next 15 minutes, she watched them take measurements of the shark like it was an old patient popping in for its annual checkup. But I just remember standing there and thinking, wow, these women are incredible, you know? None of them was older than 25, and they just handled this massive, dangerous, beautiful animal so efficiently and confidently. And they had so much love and respect for the shark. Um, it, it blew my mind. For Pippa, this wasn't a normal day on the job. She was a marine science journalist, and most of the time she was sitting in front of a computer screen, sending emails, writing articles, Skyping with experts, that kind of thing. Still, these reporting trips were the kind of thing she'd always dreamed of. I grew up in Johannesburg, which is a landlocked, big city, very far away from nature. It's not an easy place to feel immersed in the natural world. And I think I just started falling in love with the ocean as a child who was kind of desperate to get out of the city. As an adult, Pippa was spending most of her days in the office talking to marine biologists over Skype. And it was a great gig. But something shifted that night on the boat when she was watching those women interact with a shark. Pippa was there to comment on nature, but those women were in it. I'd been meeting all of these incredible people who had deep understandings of and relationships with the animals and the environments in which they worked. And I realized I was living this almost vicarious life where I was telling other people's stories, but on a very superficial level. And I was parachuting in and out of places. But I, as far as my own understanding of the natural world and my own relationship with the natural world, I didn't have very much to share. And when I came back to Cape Town, I actually felt really, really sad. And I felt a, a kind of loss of purpose. It just, it, it felt like I was not in flow with my own life. And then a pretty devastating thing happened. A friend of mine called me to say that another friend of ours had fallen into a coma completely unexpectedly. Every morning you wake up and you're kind of waiting to hear whether they've survived the night. Um, it's incredibly stressful. And after two or three weeks of that, he died. Yeah, and, it, and that really shook my world. And it, I really started realizing, like, I, I just have to start making some big changes in my life. Pippa's grief was intense. She felt disconnected from the world she was writing about for work. One day she confided in a friend. Her friend said, the last time I felt like that, I started diving with Craig. Pippa had actually met Craig once, a while back. She'd gone on a group dive that Craig had led. She hadn't seen him since, but she remembered the dive really well. He was finding animals that I'd never seen before. He was pointing out behavior that I'd never even heard of. Um, and we were able to get really close to animals. I felt like I was in a place 
that I'd known for a very very long time, but I, I felt like I was seeing it with completely new eyes. And, and the feeling in my body was completely different to any other time that I'd dived. Towards the end of the dive, Pippa was standing in waist-deep water when she saw a tiny baby shark moving along the surface. She put her hands in the water, and the little shark swam right into them. I was in absolute shock. I could not believe what had happened. Because sharks don't normally swim at the surface. They can feel your heartbeat from the time that they're in eggs. These sharks can feel when there's a big predator around them. So the fact that this animal had just swum into my hands like this, a whole lot of questions started running through my head. Even though Pippa had been diving for eight years, Craig seemed like some sort of marine animal whisperer. She took her friend's advice and she got in touch. And Craig said, sure, feel free to join. But there was a catch. Pippa would have to swim in conditions that were so cold, they'd cause most people to hyperventilate. Stick around. Pippa was in a dark place. She had lost a dear friend and felt disconnected from her purpose. So she called Craig Foster and was about to meet him for a dive. But this wasn't going to be a casual dip in the sea. Before we get to that, a quick lesson for the uninitiated. It's called The Dangers of Diving in the South African Sea Forest, aka How to Terrify Your Loved Ones. Now, Pippa had already been free diving in kelp forests for years. Free diving is when you dive and just hold your breath, no oxygen tank. Pippa makes this sound very cool and casual, but that's only because she's very cool. This is one of the wildest, scariest places to swim in the world. What's so dangerous about it? I'm so glad you asked. Number one, great white sharks and poisonous stingrays. There's nothing more scary than being in the water at dusk when it's not very clean and you're all on your own and you think there might be a big great white around. And that's actually the least of your concerns, which brings us to number two, strong, strong currents, riptides that can suck you out into the ocean. And number three, the waves are so huge that if you don't move very, very quickly, you're gonna be washed over rock islands that are covered in sharp muscle shells. Ow. So sharks, riptides, and crashing waves. And please remain calm at all times because of danger number four, ground swell. So you've got swell on the surface, which creates waves, but you also get ground swell, which moves around on the seafloor. Uh, we've all had quite scary experiences where you'll be halfway swimming through a cave and the water will just start sucking in the other direction. And you have to just sort of remain calm and wait for that swell to change direction and spit you out. But you'll sometimes be stuck fighting against it for like 10 seconds while you're holding your breath. So Pippa had already been dealing with all of that for years, baby stuff. But Craig had an added challenge. Most people who dive in these kelp forests wear wetsuits, but Craig was now diving in just a bathing suit. No big deal, right? Nope, big deal. 
people dive in wetsuits in the area for a reason. The water, technically speaking, is freaking cold. I was pretty traumatized after the death of my friend and I wasn't sleeping well and I was worried that I wouldn't be able to last very long in the cold. But uh, he said to me, look, if you know, you've, you've got you've to start slowly. The waters off the coast of Cape Town can be freezing cold. Like, life-threatening. If you're not used to it, you could lose control of your limbs. You could get cold shock and suddenly inhale water. You could hyperventilate. And there's a real risk of heart attack. Craig wasn't trying to torture Pippa, though. I was just, I think I was looking for a challenge at that point. I needed something that, that could keep me focused and, and pull me out of the kind of slump that I was in. And he gave me a guidebook called The Two Oceans, and he said, you need to learn every single species in here. Until you know every single animal in this environment, you won't know when things are unusual. And, and you won't know how to find things, and you won't know how they relate to one another. Um, and he also said, and you need to get better at diving in the cold, so do 10 dives by yourself and then come back to me. Learn the guidebook and do 10 solo cold water dives. That was Pippa's homework. And it was hard, even for an experienced diver. You know, I kind of stare out at this gray sky and dark ocean and then forced myself into the water for 20 minutes and I was really wondering what the hell I was doing. And, and the biggest thought in your mind is, I'm cold. And I wish it wasn't so cold. And why am I in this freezing cold water? So when you're in the cold, your body releases a whole wave of neurotransmitters. And I think that includes like dopamine and growth hormone and probably a little bit of adrenaline. And then you come out of the water and your body releases a new wave of chemicals. And one of those chemicals just makes you feel really, really calm and centered. All the kind of negative thoughts that had been running through my head during this existential crisis I was in the middle of, the cold water just shut them down. It gave me this deep, deep, deep sense of presence. And, and that was kind of the first thing that, that pulled me out of the state I was in. Just the physiological effects of being in that environment every day gave my, my, my mind and body a, a chance to heal and gave me a break from whatever story was running through my mind. Even so, the frigid water was hard to tolerate. No matter what she did, Pippa couldn't push past the 20-minute mark. One day, she was out on a dive with friends, and she had almost hit her usual limit. And I swam down, and there was this octopus sitting at the base of a kelp stipe. And it looked at me, and I looked at it, and it was changing color and reaching out and going spiky and going smooth, and it was just absolutely mesmerizing. Because they do stare right back at you, and they engage with you, and their eyes can change shape. Um, you can see that that animal is having a good look at you and trying to figure out what you are. 
Octopus are phenomenal shape-shifting creatures. If they're trying to scare off a predator, then the whole octopus will go white and they'll make their eyes these big, dark, scary things that wow. make the animal look way bigger. They can also change the texture of their skin. So they can make these little spikes all over their body like a hedgehog, and then they can just <laughs> smooth everything out again in, the, in a split second. Pippa and the octopus were about a foot or two apart, and they stared into each other's eyes for about 40 seconds, longer than most people hold eye contact for. L- long enough for me to forget myself. And after I'd seen that, I just wasn't cold anymore. And I just stayed in the water. And I swam around a whole lot of rocks and I swam up a channel and down a channel. And I was taking photographs and everything was coming alive and the light rays were filtering through the kelp leaves in the most beautiful way. And you get the sense that you are flying through this giant underwater jungle. And everywhere you look, there are upside down shells that are reflecting the light upwards and, and glistening. And, There are urchins everywhere, and the urchins are these crazy psychedelic purples and reds. And by the time I came out, I was just feeling absolutely ecstatic. And I I looked at the time on my camera, and I realized I'd been in the water for an hour and 10 minutes. The mental barrier had been broken, and I kind of felt like I had this new superpower. With this new superpower, Pippa went back to the kelp forest whisperer. She had completed her challenges, and she was ready for the next one. Stick around. After Pippa had stared into the eyes of an octopus, a barrier broke. She was able to withstand the cold water for longer periods of time. So she went back to Craig. And he said, okay, cool, let's go diving. And he started teaching me to track underwater. He started teaching me about the different animals on the intertidal. I spent the next six months just really falling in love with the kelp forest and getting to know it in a whole new way. Balancing her full-time job with this new love was still a lot, but the forest energized Pippa. Her mindset was shifting, and she was becoming more and more amphibious. Craig started teaching me a few things, and I started taking photographs that I was very excited about that really captured animals and the environment in a way that I was proud of. And Craig said to me, "Uh, I'm going to make a film, and would you like to help me? And then a whole new journey started. As they dove together, Pippa had been going through a shift that Craig recognized. Years earlier, he had suffered from burnout. That's why he started diving in the kelp forest every day. Along the way, he had formed a unique bond with a curious octopus, and spent a year capturing her personality and the brilliant way she used tools. He got things on camera that scientists didn't even know octopuses were capable of. But still. There was a film about a little octopus, and 
that wasn't the sexiest thing at the time. They, they definitely become a lot more fashionable now. And Pippa hadn't directed a feature film before. But she resigned from her job and started the process of experiential filmmaking. Every day, their team started with a long edit session. Then they went for a free dive in their swimsuits and captured the footage of the kelp forest. The amazing thing about marine life is it's evolved for hundreds of millions of years without human beings. So most marine animals don't look at human beings as prey, and they also don't look at us as, as a threat. And I think that's why you can get close to so many marine creatures in a way that you can't do on land. Sea forests are kind of like forests on land. The greenery creates cover for animals, a place to live and hunt and hide. The kelp is like a long vegetative rope that grows from the sea floor to the surface. Pippa would pull herself down the kelp to the ocean floor, where she would have a seat and watch the animals. You might find that you'd be walking along a kind of very clear, shallow, sandy patch into a channel, and you'll look up and you'll see all the kelp leaves. You'll see sort of brown things glistening in the sunlight which are curled up like snakes floating on the surface, you realize that it's this incredible three-dimensional ecosystem where you have these long stipes of bamboo kelp. The whole center is hollow, which is what helps them to float. And as the surface of the water moves, the light will come filtering in through the leaves and there'll just be these beautiful light rays like dancing in front of you. And you can swim through kelp passages and there'll be schools of fish moving along with you, dream fishes and tiny little juvenile mallets, like this perfect silver cloud and they'll zoom around together and move around you in a big circle and you feel like you're flying through a forest and, and those fish seem like flocks of birds. These huge swarms of jellyfish will come drifting into the forest. These psychedelic aliens called compass jellyfishes and they're just absolutely beautiful. They're kind of pink and red and they've got these very, very complex tendril systems dripping down the middle of them. Pulsing and blinking and they shouldn't be conscious but they are. Um, and you'll swim up to them and they'll know where you are. They don't have eyes, they don't have a brain, but absolutely there is some sort of engagement going on. We get these big packs of spotted gully sharks and they are absolutely harmless, very, very gentle, super, super fast, but very shy. So you have to kind of learn to move as carefully as possible. And then you can literally pull yourself down on a kelp stipe and sit very, very quietly. And you can have 30 sharks swimming past you and bumping into you and just moving around you. And then sometimes you'll notice a kind of strange collection of shells lying upside down or 
on their side and it'll be and it'll it'll look like someone's thrown out a whole lot of trash. And then you swim down and pick up one of the shells and see that there's a little oval hole in it. And then you know, ah, an, an octopus killed this animal. And you can kind of look around that area and normally within a meter you'll find the octopus sitting inside his den, staring out at you. 500 million years ago, we were the same thing as octopuses. We were both a kind of worm-like creature. And then at that point, we branched off onto one side of the evolutionary tree and became a highly complex, sophisticated vertebrate. And octopuses branched off in the other direction and became highly sophisticated, neurologically advanced invertebrates. It's a completely different model of intelligence, yet they can stare into our eyes and engage with us. To be having these experiences, things that I'd, I'd written about other people, just see it in real life. I mean, it's, it's something that you dream about for months afterwards. It starts to shape your psyche. My octopus teacher has been captivating audiences around the world and racking up awards at film festivals. Working on it gave Pippa the opportunity to connect with nature in a way that she never even dreamed of. And it feels like an enormous privilege. And there's something very, very special about these peak moments, these deeply life-affirming experiences in your own backyard and every morning you can't wait to get out and see what you meet and how cold the water is going to be when that energy is flowing it's an incredible feeling and it fills your whole body and you couldn't be more grateful and excited to be alive your whole experience becomes kind of innocent and childlike um, and it's amazing to be in that flow, but it's not like that every day. You, you will be pulled out of it and then by some sort of grace you'll be sucked back into the flow. The challenge of being human is to keep growing and keep finding the things that make you feel centered and close to yourself and in tune with the universe if you want to put it that way. But there is no golden bullet for that. Certainly nature is the, the strongest medicine in my life. I think, you know, we're all just completely confounded by this octopus. And in that moment when you guys are staring into each other's eyes, what do you think the octopus is thinking? I think they want to know what you are and what you're doing in this space. And I think right. the first thing they're wondering is, is this thing dangerous or not? How close should I allow this thing to come? Maybe they're wondering, mm, the thing looks quite big, but I wonder if I could eat it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Pip, I hope so. Yes. <laughs> Good. Yeah. It would be 
very arrogant to assume that, that we can ever figure out how an octopus sees or experiences the world, but an octopus is a highly intelligent animal and its whole life is about the conflict between fear and curiosity. It's how much fun it can have, how much exploring it can do whilst staying safe. And I think that, you know, we can relate to that as human beings. Pippa Ehrlich is still diving in the great African sea forest almost every day, observing and documenting its wonders. She's the co-director and editor of the film My Octopus Teacher. She's also a member of the Sea Change Project, a group of scientists and storytellers that are raising awareness about South Africa's kelp forests. 25% of the world's coastline is covered with kelp forests, and all over the world they are disappearing because of climate change. You can find out more at seachangeproject.com. That's S-E-A, seachangeproject.com. Today's episode was produced by Nora Kanidis Boydell. Nick Farrago is our managing producer. Story editing by Evan Roberts. Our sound mixer is John Ross. You can find Pippa's critically acclaimed film, My Octopus Teacher, on Netflix. The song you're hearing is from the soundtrack. It was composed by Kevin Smuts and Matthew Dennis. If you've been enjoying our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. Every time you leave a review, an octopus changes colors in your honor. I'm Renee Colbert. And I'm Alexis Preston. And you've been listening to An Animal Saved My Life. Join us next week for another incredible animal story.